Well, good morning. Welcome, everyone, to the Ag Market Network. Uh, this May 13th edition of our program, I'm Pat McClatchy. Our program is sponsored by FiberMax and Stoneville and also our longtime sponsor, Cotton Incorporated. We very much appreciate uh, them supporting us. I want to mention this is our 23rd anniversary of the Ag Market Network. Uh, we started this in May 23 years ago and continue to do it. Uh, the, uh, I, I also want to mention before we get into our program that we did this last week. We're gonna, we'll do it I mean, this uh, last month. We're going to do it again. After we kind of get through our presentation, we want to open it up. We'll open up the lines for questions. So anybody out there that, that has a question, we want, we want to encourage you to ask it. Uh, so I, I wanted just to point that out. Uh, today, Gerald Nieper will be, join, will be leading us. He is part of our panel. Uh, he'll be joining our, our, Dr. O.A. Cleveland, Dr. John Robinson, and Kip Butts. And uh, let's get started. Gerald, thanks for leading us today. Well, you're very welcome, Pat, and it's a, it's a pleasure being here this morning. Um, there's a lot of numbers to unpack, and I'm going to try to hit things from a you know 30,000 or 25,000 foot level anyway. And you know I, I'm sure there's going to be some subtle things that I might miss up there. So um, I'm sure I'm glad to have a, a, a good backup crew here to uh, uh, to tell me uh, what I missed. So thanks, Oa. John and, and, and Kip, but uh, let's go, go ahead and get started. Let's look at 2019 to begin with. Uh, between the April and May uh, estimates, USDA on world production raised world production um, by almost a million bales. Uh, they lifted at a million bales in India. They lowered at 400,000 bales in, in Pakistan, and then there were some other subtle changes out there, small, slight increase in Turkey, in the United States. But uh, all in all, about a, nine, a 960,000 bale increase in, in world production to 122.7 million bales. World consumption, um, I, I guess that was the big story. The USDA took a much bigger swipe at world product consumption uh, than I thought they would. But uh, at any rate, they lowered it from uh, 110.6 million bales in the April estimate to 105 million bales in the May estimate, so a 5.6 million bale decrease <clears throat> in world consumption. China was down a million bales. They took India down 1.5 million. Pakistan 1.1 million. Uh, surprisingly, you know, Vietnam was was unchanged. Um, even in the United States, it took U.S. consumption down 200,000 bales. So 5.6 million bale reduction in uh, expected 2019 consumption. World exports were adjusted some. Uh, they didn't adjust U.S. I uh, thought maybe they would go up a little bit on, on U.S. exports. Uh, they did not um, and, and have not yet. I think that they will be forced to it at some point down the road, but they have not yet. So, uh, but it's still a small reduction in, in world uh, trade. Um, they took India down you know, 50 or 100,000. <clears> they took some some small incremental reduction uh, in uh, in some of the West African countries, um, but uh, nothing of substance. For for world-ending stocks, of course, with a an increase of in, in production, a decrease in consumption, you're going to have an increase in, in ending world stocks. So. 
2019, they raised ending world stocks by almost 6 million bales up to 97.2 million. Uh, so even if you didn't have 2020 estimates coming up, those numbers alone were uh, were pretty staggering, I think, uh, for the marketplace. But uh, I think for the most part, it seems like consumption, big negative expectations on consumption were already uh, uh, factored into everybody's thinking, so it didn't have that big of an impact. When you get to 2020, though, USDA came out and said, all right, well, we're going to have world consumption at 119 million. Uh, that's what it rounds up to. So versus uh, 2019, it's world cons- production is down 3.7 million bales. Um, you know, versus a year ago, they've got Brazil down 1.2 million bales to 12 million. They've got India down 2 million bales to 28 and a half. Uh, and they've got U.S. up slightly to 19.5 million uh, bales. I think that's, I feel like that's a little low, but uh, USDA took the March estimate in terms of planting numbers, and they took a regional 10-year average on abandonment and a regional 10-year average on, on, uh, uh, on yield, and uh, this is the number that they came up with, is 19.5 million uh, bales. Um, and uh, which is just slightly above this year. I, I really thought it would be a little bit bigger than that, but uh, but so be it. Um, in terms of uh, world consumption, um, it's a little bit staggering, um, but not uh, maybe not unrealistic. Um, they raised world consumption by 11.5 million bales. We went from 105 million up to 116.5 million. Uh, so they're expecting, you know, fairly good recovery going into 2020. Um, and who's to say that 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 number, you know, could even be uh, conservative? But uh, it seems a little aggressive right now. Um, but uh, you know, nothing wrong with with the estimate. China, they rose, they raised Chinese consumption from 34 up to 38 million bales. That's a four million bale increase. India. They raised by three million bales. Pakistan, they raised by a million and a half. Um, even in the United States, they took that up another two hundred thousand. They raised Vietnam five hundred thousand. Uh, Bangladesh five hundred thousand. So some very healthy increases across the board. Um, these numbers aren't quite where these countries were prior to the uh, to the slowdown caused by the uh, caused by the virus but uh, it's still a very healthy increase so that's that's very good news uh, lower consumption versus a year ago higher higher or lower production versus a year ago higher consumption versus a year ago you know we're going in the right direction world exports they raised almost 43 million bales from 40 million bales um, United States they took from 15 up to 16 million bales um, so good numbers. Uh, world ending stocks, however, uh, you know, with the big build and, and ending stocks from a year ago, um, that's going to flow through the system. We've still got a slight increase in, in world ending stocks, up to two point, up by 2.3 million bales to 99.4 uh, million bales. So, some big numbers out there. Uh, 
you know, I, I think one thing that's a little bit staggering is ending stocks in the United States are estimated at 7.1 million for this year and 7.7 million bales for 2020. Um, you know, that gives us a stocks to use ratio of just over 40%, which is, uh, which is quite high. It, it's, uh, it, it's not excessive. But it's certainly a lot higher, higher than we've seen in, in, in recent history. And, uh, you know, 7 million bales is, is uh, it, something that we're going to have to, uh, to grapple with as, as we move forward. Um, from a world standpoint, you know, ending stocks of almost 100 million bales is going to start to get a little bit uh, uh, nerve-wracking, particularly when you consider, you know, before a lot of these stocks, when we were at our record-level stocks before, China was holding you know, two-thirds of them. Now, you know, the rest of the world is holding two-thirds, and China's only holding about a third of the stocks. Uh, there's going to be a lot of competition out there between Pakistan, between India, United States, and Brazil for export market share uh, going forward. The, uh, you know, one thing that gives us an edge, of course, is uh, the phase one trade deal with China and uh, the amount of uh, agricultural products, including cotton, uh, obviously that that uh, you know China has promised to uh, uh, to fulfill in terms of uh, their two-year commitment to to build up on on uh, imports. Um, gentlemen, that would be my report. I, I know I'm I'm sure I've left some things out. Um, I'd be happy to uh, uh, take any critiques that are available or listen to anything that you guys want to add to this discussion. Let's open it up here for any comments from our panel. Uh, thank you, Gerald. I think you did a great uh, job in a, in a pretty, uh, there were a lot of numbers out there. <laughs> and, and putting those together like that uh, where they made some sense, I, I appreciate that review. Thank you very much. Uh, same here. One thing I one thing I noticed while while bold on USDA's part, at least they were consistent in this assumption that there's that there's going to be a recovery, that the worst of the hit to consumption across other crops, not just cotton, it was reflected, in, I think, in the wheat numbers and the corn numbers, that that the worst happens to consumption in 1920 and then the 2021. Uh, balance sheets for for a number of crops shows a an assumed recovery, and I hope the heck they're right. Well, I think we're Thank all you. hoping that they're I, I, right. What I would just ask is, uh, uh, how how do y'all feel about the U.S. Number I know you said that 1905 you thought it was low itself, but it's all based on the uh, March planning intention. So what are we picking up with respect to actual planning? Do we think they're going to be anywhere near that high? You, you know, Oa, uh, I, I thought about that. You know, I get, again, I guess it gets back to Texas and what they they harvest. You know, they've only got harvested acreage for 2020 at 11.4 million acres. Um, so, you know, that's a pretty good, if you take 13.7 and 
and you and you you know you pull out 2.3 million acres in terms of uh, abandonment uh, that's a pretty good you know hit off of uh, you know hit off of planted acres i don't know that that harvested acreage number would change much even if we were let's say even if we fall down to as low as 13 million acres on planted planted acres um Maybe I'm I, I'm I'm off there, but uh, I thought, well, okay, you know, 13 or 11.4 million acres harvested. That's that's probably not bad. Well, I mean, I think you know our friends in South Texas, unfortunately, are probably going to experience a above average level of abandonment because it's been dry as heck uh, since they started planting in the Rio Grande Valley, and it's dry in the coastal bend right now. So, I mean, we'll just have to see how it plays out. But you know what? Away to my way of thinking, they, I don't know, are they bureaucratically stuck with that 13.7 number? So, you know, they they kind of where they could had a marginally higher abandon, abandonment number and a marginally higher export number. And, you know, they tried to kind of make it work is kind of how I was looking at it. Okay. I guess, I John, what OA is asking is, is Texas still going to plant seven million acres? <laughs> I don't think so. I, you know, I'm 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 stuck with I'm stuck with the with the biased, non-statistically reliable, anecdotal thoughts that I had before March 31, and that was that more wheat cover crops were held on to, and that more spring sorghum was planted in the north and in the south. I mean, that's that was the anecdotal scuttlebutt. And then so here comes the March 31 number, and it's kind of a shock, but I, you know, I didn't want to believe it, but I, since I don't have that much writing on it, I can just wait till June. Um, so I'm, I'm still going with 12, personally. Well, I'm sure you guys have heard, uh, dry land in West Texas is pretty dry, and there's been <laughs> a lot of talk, I think, that uh, there's going to be a lot of dry land planted. But you know, not necessarily to make a crop. Uh, so there, there very well could be a difference between acres and harvested acres. That's for sure. Um, yeah. and let me just ask this question. It's very current, uh, and I'll start off with Gerald. Well, Gerald, why in the world was July cotton so strong relative to December here in the last couple of days? Um. Great question. Uh, uh, well, I, I, there's of course rumors out there. It, it seems like anytime something like this happens, you know, China's name comes up, and and uh, you know, supposedly, um, you know, uh, street talk is that China is inquiring again. But I think they're inquiring at lower levels now. Possibly they could have done some business. Uh, that could very well be true. They could have already done some business, but uh, I kind of think that that there will be some additional purchases by China. But I don't think it'll be done at these levels. I don't think they're going to chase it. I think we'll. I think we need to get back down, uh, a, you know, lower first before we can see some additional big business. But uh, you know, if it wasn't for China, there'd be no reason for us to be at 58 cents right now. Quite frankly. And you know, I think you've got uh, uh, maybe some maybe some naturally nervous shorts in July, and, and this spread came in, and you had a little bit of 
a little bit of a panic out there, and people just started, you know, trying to roll before things got crazy. I, I don't know. There uh, d- doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me why you would have an inversion when you've got 7 million bales in ending stocks, except, you know, all those stocks are someplace other than in certificated inventories. Um, <laughs> so... So maybe with a lack of certificated stocks, it's just a lot easier to try to sit there and put a little little squeeze on July. Yeah. Well, so I guess let's just let's just transition into how high can we go? Uh, July and December. Uh, that's a tough one, I know, but we're we're trading fifty eight oh four in July right now. December's trading fifty seven sixty. What, what, how do you think these, these markets can go on this rally? Well, Pat, we're in just, in my opinion, of just the typical squeeze here. I think there are only two participants. I think China, Texas on one side, and a significant merchant in Memphis is on the other side. And um, uh, that significant merchant is going to be ready to take whatever cotton they can. China Tech doesn't have anything they can deliver. Uh, so I think the market's going to eat higher. Uh, the Memphis man is going to come out on top. And so you think we can pass high. Well, I, I just wonder, 60, is that possible, low 60s? I think it is. I, you know, what, 62, 63 cents? I, I don't think we can go a whole lot higher than that, but who knows? You know, um, you get enough shorts out there. I don't think it's it for it. From a fundamental standpoint, I don't really know that there's a reason for us to go a lot higher um, at, at, at this point in time, except, you know, Let's get back to uh, to John's point. Uh, there's a lot of acres in Texas that are are pretty dry right now, and uh, we just don't know how the crop. You know, somebody was asking, do we have any kind of a weather premium built into this market just yet? And and that's hard to answer. I don't know that we do have a weather premium built into this market at all. So, you know. I just think in this environment, with as much money as is floating around, you know, from government help, um, people are nervous. Nobody, I, I, there's just not an overwhelming reason to want to be short this market. And it just seems like the the path of least resistance is higher. I think we're, you know, stair-stepping our way to, to slightly higher prices over time, you know, probably in the very near term. We're in a 56 to 59-cent trading range for December, uh, probably, uh, you know, 55 to 58-cent to, to trading range in, in July, although, you know, you probably could, could adjust that up to 56 to 59 as well. And uh, pretty soon... You know, maybe in a two, three weeks, you can adjust those trading range that those trading ranges up another another penny. 
you know, maybe a penny and a half, and we're just going to sort of stair step our way our way higher as, as we move forward. Well, so I guess it's going to really, really, it's going to matter what the when the when the new crop weather kind of dynamics really take over in in June or or whenever that happens, then then depending on what they are, you know, there there could be a downshift back to the lower end of that range. I mean, that's that's still possible for new crop. Well, and and just asking, you know, further on that. You know, once December becomes the lead month, if we do have pretty big acres, is, are the mid fifties going to do it for December? Or, I mean, what do you think, OA? You think we could we could return back down toward those lows? Well, certainly we can return back toward them, uh, the low in the, the, the in the low fifties. Uh, uh, but I, I I'm still not comfortable with the the planting estimate USDA is using, and I forget which one of you said it, yes, it's, they're stuck with that bureaucratic number that they have to use. But uh, I'm not sure the market is stuck with that. And the, the big thing is who's going to, I mean, we've got 100 million bales of cotton that's got to be stored, carried in the next year. Who's going to pay that storage? Well, uh I mean, we 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 know the owners of that cotton are going to, have to pay the storage. So, and most of the U.S. cotton tied up in the loan. So, uh, it's going to come out of the hide of whoever owns owns the cotton. So, it's going to be tough to take the market higher uh, in that regard. I, I'm I'm a hundred percent with Gerald until July goes off the board. I think the market's going to tend to want to go higher. But after that, I think we've got a little trouble. Depending on what acreage might turn out to be, John, you think you know Texas is too high? Let's say that they're a million acres too high, so six million acres. Oh, way you and I have had discussions. Um, you know, the mid south is is you know it's probably maybe not as large as as the uh, as the March survey, but it's it probably hasn't fallen as much as, as maybe you would think, given given everything that's going on. It's probably the same is true in the southeast. So, you know, maybe we end up with with an acreage number of somewhere between you know twelve seven and, and thirteen million acres. Um, then it just gets to be you know how big do you think abandonment's going to be in Texas this year? And of course, what is it? You know, it's either five percent or it's thirty five percent so you you never know what to expect but you get the average you still get the average yeah. um but let's say it's you know eighty percent of uh you know eighty percent of, of six million acres that's four point eight million acres uh, acres um bale and a half is uh what's that so that's seven point two you know out of Texas, right? Of course, I don't know that you'd have a bale and a half yield average if, if weather is that bad, you know, maybe a bale at most. But that just that still goes to show how much variability you've got uh, in Texas. You know, you could have anywhere from 4.8 to, to 5.8 million bales of production in, in, in that state. Um, you know, 
rest rest of the United States. I, you know, I don't know. I just uh, I. I um, yeah, I don't think we've got a big a big enough weather premium built into this market, but I don't know that it's a real disaster either um, out there. We're going to open up our, for questions in just a second, but I wanted to ask this question, uh, Gerald, or to any of you. The government payment that's coming, I think there was a time when the estimate was first part of June. Uh, is that still what we're hearing, Gerald? What? Oh, in terms of the the, the survey when when they do their planning, uh, no, the no. planning numbers. No, you know the the the, the government payment uh, that was going to be issued to farmers around the first. Uh, oh, oh, oh! I, I guess that's right. I don't know that they figured out how they're going to hand that out unless somebody's heard something different. Um, I haven't seen any details. But I think it was late May, 1st of June, was just sort of a, a guess on that. Anybody else know anything on that? I haven't heard anything new about that. That's the last I've heard. Likewise, Pat, I hadn't. However, you do bring up something that we don't ever talk about, in my opinion. Uh, the the government uh, seed cotton payment, or the cotton seed payment, I guess it might be said, it won't come around until October, November, and it'll be on the crop, the 2019 crop uh, is still tracking close to six cents a pound. So I don't know, 150 to 300 dollars an acre, uh, and, and that gets left out of discussion quite often. Specifically in terms of a partial budgeting situation of do I plant cotton or do I plant something else? Uh, so between insurance and that payment. Uh, it, it, it does seem like it plants cotton to pe- in people's mind be eligible for, for that particular payment. Yeah. Uh, it it, it okay. can vary, but uh, yeah. it, 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 bottom line, it's uh, it can be an extremely important source of income. Yeah, that's All right. right. And All right, for any grower who's going into his banker, I'm sure he mentions that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> you better. Let's go ahead and open up the line here to see if anyone's got any questions. Uh, anyone that's got any any questions of our panel, we, we would encourage you to ask those. Any questions? Is the uh, hi? Can you hear me? Yes. Hi, this is Marvin Perez from Bloomberg. Is you were mentioning that China is uh, one of you mentioning that China is the one uh, factor keeping the market uh, at these at these uh, levels. But how about all the the, the aid and the, the government has given uh, the cotton farmers? Is that keeping them from selling too aggressive as well? Oh, in the in the loan also the loan program is that uh, uh, slowing down a bit their their sales? Or? I think most of the cotton in the loan is spoken for. Uh, if I'm hearing that, uh, and 
if John Gerald Gerald agree or disagree with the availability of Scott now alone. I don't think they're going to be more. If I'm understanding the question, I don't think they're going to. There will be much in the way of search stocks coming to the board. But okay. I can certainly be wrong. And it will just be the battle between uh, China Tech and, and the strong Memphis merchants. Okay. Hey, it's Brad Palmer. Can you hear me? Yes. I don't really have a question, but I do have a comment about what OA said. The PLC payment or the seed cotton payment is made irregardless of whether someone plants cotton or not. So, Scott okay. Palmer, somebody that has options, is really looking to the market for, for decisions, not the, not the government payment. There are a lot of folks that are planting soybeans or corn, but if they have seed cotton base, then they're, then they're taking that payment. But in the drier parts of West Texas and South Texas where they have seed cotton base, then it, generally we figure it into a cotton. You know, they're already planting cotton, and it just goes to the, to the price support. All right. Any any other questions? Uh, okay. One last one last uh, offer for questions. Gentlemen, I've got a question. Okay. Okay. This is David Moore of Hilltop Securities. Could you possibly address the uh, yarn values and uh, our competition from the synthetics, how that's uh, looking now? Jeff? Jeff? I'm here. I'm here. Did you hear the question about synthetics and competition? I did hear the question. Yes, synthetics are extremely competitive right now, and they have been. Um, we're in a very unusual situation. Uh, the, the synthetic prices are about just right at half the price or a little bit less than that in China. We've seen a little bit of a rally recently. I use China as my base for that. I do think we're going to be... Uh, maybe we need to close the channel off while we're responding and then open it back up because I think we're getting a lot of feedback. Um, for what it's worth, I think the synthetics are going to remain... All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, not okay. Well, I, I, the feedback is, has ended. <laughs> the uh, the comment is that uh, I think the synthetic fibers are going to remain very competitive. But in the short term, we've got this odd situation where, when the mill is shut down, we've got an enormous amount of retail inventory that's going to have to be um, well. Something's going to have to happen to it. The latest rumors we hear is it may be going to uh, to landfills. And what's happened there is that uh, landfills, because there's such a huge, we don't know if this happened yet, but it's a lot of talk, by the way. Because the synthetic fibers do not um, 
break down as quickly. The price to put that in the landfill has gone up dramatically. We're trying to find a place to put this stuff. And uh, so, so there's a real problem with that, which may, in fact, be the beginning of a slowdown for synthetic fibers. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be dramatic. I think cotton has a chance of increasing this year, but I think it's going to be still a real struggle. Coming out of this uh, this lockdown, I think the consumer is going to have some real problems. Uh, despite getting back to work, I, I think that the actual disposable income is going to be a little bit less than, than initially thought, and so uh, that discretionary spending is going to kind of slow down a bit, and it may take a little longer to get apparel to be on the consumer's mind as opposed to a lot of other things. Some of the bills, they're just behind on, whether it's rent, utilities, lots of things they're going to have to catch up on. So I think um, the numbers that USDA has, I'm kind of going around the block here, but the numbers that USDA has at 116, 11% increase for the coming year may be a bit optimistic. It may take longer for us to get to that. So um, the, the answer to your question is, Cotton may gain a little, but I'm not expecting it in the short term. I'm expecting that to uh, continue to be problematic. While these consumers are struggling, I think the cheaper product's going to be uh, going to have a high percentage of polyester, as I say, at least for the short term. And one of the other fellows may disagree with that or have better information. I'd love to hear any comments y'all have about that. You know, Kip, just just a personal anecdote here. You know, I get flooded all the time with ads from, you know, Banana Republic and and Paul Frederick and all these places that you know have decent quality, you know, cotton goods out there, and they're cheap. I mean, they're trying to move inventory, and uh, I, you know, I guess because I'm not going anywhere, um, I don't really care to buy anything, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, maybe maybe once the world kind of reopens and you feel like getting out, you you'll you, you know you'll feel like shopping some. But you know, I I think your point is 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 well taken. I don't know how much you know money or how much enthusiasm there is to 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 spend money on on clothing right now. So I don't know if it's a cotton or a or a synthetic you know item thing right at the moment. I just I just don't know what uh, what consumption is going to be. Um, but I do think we've got some great opportunity to make some inroads against, you know, the synthetic fibers right now just because there's a lot of good science coming out in terms of all the pollution that, uh, you know, the microplastics that are in, ending up in, in the ocean. Um, you're not talking a little bit of microplastic pollution. You're talking a lot of microplastic pollution. <laughs> and then there's an article out today that, you know, the ocean, of course, it's always spewing something up. You know, they're talking about the, the, the ocean when it's, you know, these little bubbles that come up. It's, it, you know, it's spewing out microplastics as well. So, you know, the point of the article was, you know, you go to the ocean, you take a deep breath. Oh, I love that fresh sea air. Well, you know, you could very well be, breathe, you know, inhaling microplastics as, as well. So um, I, uh, I, I think... I think possibly we're on the verge of turning the tide against the, the synthetic fibers and, uh, you know, their claim of being sustainable. I don't know how you can claim to be sustainable and, and be a, a, a major polluting factor at the same time. Um, 
I, and, I, uh, I couldn't agree with you more about that, Gerald, but I think that's more a longer-term sort of, yeah, only because of the current environment. I, I do believe that, and I had we not had this uh, this lockdown that we have now, I think that cotton would be making better inroads as a as a share. But at the end of the day, consumers, if they want to go out and, and, and buy um, new apparel, their discretionary income, uh, their disposable income is, is what they look at, and the fashion designers and the retailers recognize that. Those price points get lower, and only in the short term, I think, polyester is going to hold a share that I, I think it's, it's eventually going to start losing for the very reasons you talked about. But I'm afraid just in the short term we're going to have a bit of a problem. Certainly uh, we won't jump the way I'd like for us to, particularly when we're looking at 100 million bales or so carry out. All right. Any other closing comments here? Um, any other thoughts? Okay. Well, let's wrap up the meeting for today. We appreciate uh, we appreciate Gerald you leading us in an excellent meeting. Thanks to our panel. I want to again thank our sponsors, Fibermax and Stoneville, in addition to Cotton Incorporated. Uh, we uh, we appreciate you joining us, you listeners, uh, and uh, look forward to seeing you again next month. And uh, that's it. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Pat, everybody.